Laura. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are submerging in Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And I'm Kestra Dorowski. Today, we are joined again by Brad from Cosmic Geppetto. Having a great time this week, guys. I really appreciate you having me back. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I uh, I haven't been doing quite as many uh, guest spots on other people's uh, Minute by Minutes, but uh, when when you guys offered me the opportunity, I had to take you up on it because uh, I had so much fun last time talking with you for Snow White. And you know, as I said before, I love this movie. This movie was so um, important to like my circle of friends when I was in high school. And uh, just, and I know it's a really important movie in the world of Disney. Mm-hmm. It's it's crucial to Disney, and it's something well we have talked about, and I'm I'm sure will bring up in many minutes to come. Uh, we are hopefully uh, we're planning and and trying to get a lot of guests from Disney podcasts. In our last movie, we had a lot of guests from uh, Movies by Minutes podcasts, but we're trying to reach into the Disney podcast well and see if we can pull some guests from that way and it looks like we'll be able to set some up and so i have no doubt there will be a lot of discussion about how crucial this film is in in the grand scheme of disney uh today we are discussing minute number 14 which begins with king triton exclaiming you could have been seen by one of those barbarians and it ends with sebastian saying no sir i'd keep her and then he's cut off in the transition uh, minute 14 of The Little Mermaid features King Triton yelling at Ariel for going to the surface, Ariel swimming off upset, and Sebastian trying to console King Triton about his his yelling and, and uh, his fit of rage at Ariel, which it it was pretty intense. <laughs> it was, but I, I sort of alluded to this yesterday. Um, it, 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 this is one of these movies where when you watch it, you get such a different feeling when you watch this as a 15, 16, 17 year old kid and now watching it as the father of a five year old who's already given me a whole lot of sass. And <laughs> when you're watching the argument and Ariel yelling at Triton is like, but dad, I'm 16. You don't treat me like a kid anymore. Now I just want to say, it's like, oh, shut up little girl and go to your room because I know that argument's coming to me way sooner than I'm going to be ready for it. Yes. I, I don't know when, but at some point everyone sort of realizes like I'm 16. Okay. You're still definitely, definitely yes. a child. If you, if, if you were 16 and not a child, you would have been responsible enough to be at the concert. So you're not helping your argument. Yes. And she, and as like a kid, I'm like, yeah, she's 16. She's like, so leave her old. alone. And then. Did you really I, think that? No, not okay, really. I was going to say. But I was like, 16, she's, she's kind of an adult, but not really. But like, I'm kind of on her side, but not really. And then when I like turned like 16 or 17, I'm like, oh no, oh no, child. No, I mean, no. Like there is, there is plenty of responsibility that we do give to 16 year olds i mean that is the driving age in america that is uh, typically when people will start getting jobs at least part-time jobs after school and stuff so there is a degree of responsibility that comes with being 16 i do not think ariel's ready for either of those positions uh driving or having a job no so i'd say she's even a little less mature than the typical 16 year old yes definitely 
uh, with her being 16, I just had note with, uh, there's this Disney astrology, which is like Disney astrology. Okay. Stuff that kind of gives birth dates for at least the princesses, as far as I know. Um, and her, her, apparently her birthday is October 8th. Okay. However, there is some merchandise that has her as a Pisces. A Pisces, Pisces, obviously, because because it's the fish themed zodiac sign. Yes, and but the Pisces is February eighteenth through March twentieth, so there's a little bit of confusion there. I do not think she tracks as being early October because I am born in October and I am a Libra, and she does not like she does not demonstrate the characteristics (laughs) of a Libra. I just wanted to... I don't know what the characteristics of Pisces are. But. No I, I, I am actually a Pisces, and uh, she, she does not represent my people. Okay. I would say I, she's... I can handle a job. I would always be at the concert. I was... Uh, no, nah, she, she, she's no Pisces. She gave yeah. me as much of a Pisces. Once. So. I, I don't know what she would be, um, but, you know, one of the uh, more troublesome or rambunctious signs, I would say... <laughs> Not the low-key signs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what what to trust when people are trying to assign character birth dates for whatever reason, if there's not really a background. I'm curious about the merchandise that lists her as a Pisces, um, aside from like the obvious reasoning for it, because it's fish-themed. Uh, but by that, all of, the, all of the mermaids would be Pisces. Yeah, definitely. Uh, throughout this minute, we get some really good sound effects of the water moving as King Triton gestures. I don't think they do it that commonly to do all of the water movement sounds, um, but it works great in this sequence because he's gesturing so strongly and so quickly. It really emphasizes uh, his his actions. Definitely. I, I feel like it's it probably because... Well, one, he looks huge compared he's, to her. He's, he's a big guy. And then he's this all-powerful king. Mm-hmm. And and then because he's so huge, like his movements are so big as well. And he's furious and filled with rage in this scene. So it doesn't surprise me that he, his movement would cause the water to sound like water as it moves. To, to sound like moving water, yeah. <laughs> They, they do such a great job of making Triton look big. And first off, it's a great idea having sort of Sebastian always in frame with him because – and I think they – I feel like they shrink Sebastian a little bit in a lot of the scenes with him um, to, to, to really give um, Triton that great presence aside from having the fantastic look and the booming voice and the epic beard. Um, they, they did a great job of like just making this character big, which really helps later when um, – they make him look small when he realizes he can't save the, the only way to save Ariel is by you know, basically making a deal with the devil. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a very well, apparently very well thought out design on the way they uh, present Triton. Yeah. Uh, I also noted it was, it was, it took me a minute to like be sure that this was the case, but as he yells louder and louder, they actually add an echo. Um, to his voice throughout this scene. And it's not in the beginning when he's yelling, but by the end of his yelling, there's definitely an echo going on. And I don't know if that's part of the the voice acting environment that he was in, that it was a natural thing, or if they had to actually 
uh, add that in after the fact to give the effect that he is really yelling uh, at this point without actually increasing the volume of of the conversation. Uh, it, it's, it works very well to like, you know, that he's yelling so intensely, uh, just by the sound of that echo coming through. I didn't notice that, but yeah, I like that. I, I did notice it. I'm pretty sure it was the case that they added an echo after the fact. Maybe I'm just sensitive to it because I do all the audio editing for <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Doing audio work for a podcast. That'll ruin your ear for everything. You pick up every single little thing on, uh, uh, whenever you listen to another podcast, when you hear a movie, your music is like, Oh, they really tweaked the reverb or, mm -hmm. uh, added echo. And that's a great cheat. Adding echo or reverb to anything is like, is a real great cheat. A cheat to add depth to a, someone's voice. Yeah, and I think I think they added it specifically uh, in this moment to make it clear that he was yelling louder and louder without him actually having to yell louder. Like the actor may have, you know, capped his his voice at a certain point, and they said, "Well, we want it to sound like he's still escalating. What can we do to make it sound like that, even if it's not actually getting any louder?" Yeah. Uh, which I think is also a, a good effect because. Sometimes it's unpleasant to have a movie where certain audio is getting louder and louder and louder. And sometimes if you can just let me know that it's louder in context in, instead of in actual practice, uh, that w that is a really nice choice that avoids actually damaging my eardrums or anything. Yeah. Sometimes when you get like the surround sound at a theater, it's like, it's just too much. It's too much. Make it a little quieter, add some echo, and then I get the idea. That would that would work. Yeah, you just can't add volume. The, 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 there's no you can't you cannot up the ante too much more because eh, then you'll blow people's ears out. Mm -hmm. And then people will remember it, but they won't want to go back to it. Uh, so this is this is where we have the famous line. Ariel says, "I'm 16. I'm not a child anymore." We already addressed that. And then Troy just keeps yelling, and I think. I don't know when the point is, but at a certain point, he loses track of what's going on. Um, and he's just yelling more and more. He's not actually thinking about Ariel. Right. He's just upset. Yeah. And it's almost like he's like pacing and turning around and just like. Yes, you definitely get that uh... sense um, that he, he like uh, it might be when he actually turns away from Ariel. He's no longer yelling at Ariel. He's just yelling because he's angry about humans. And this is an opportunity to get it out of his system. Yeah, he basically just becomes everybody's like out of touch racist dad in this point, where he's just sort of yelling about. You're right. He, he turned away from it being about Ariel, and now there's just like angry at the the surface dwellers, and he's yeah, he's completely lost track of what he's even talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think um, when he says. Like he he says, do you want to end up on the? Uh, hook? Do, you, do you think I want to? I want to see my youngest daughter snared by some fish eater's hook. Yes, and I think this is where it it most clearly indicates, or or has like the freedom to say maybe Captain Hook was uh what killed Ariel's mother because he doesn't say like a fisherman's hook. He or says a fisherman's line. Or... Yeah, or a net or anything like a fish eater's hook. So someone who is eating fish and has a hook. I'm like, I'd let that stand for Captain Hook. I I would accept that head cannon. Yes, as would I. It, well, he 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 showed issues with uh, with mermaids in Peter Pan. Am I, uh, am I remembering that right? 
Yeah, that's absolutely correct. There's, um, it's it's a significant part of the Peter Pan story is and, the involvement of mermaids. And there is a mermaid in there with red hair that people believe to be Ariel's mom. So that could be it. Um, and I think we get that we get that depicted in in one of the sequels to this film, one of the direct to video sequels, which we have not been able to watch. I hope we'll be able to to get a shot at them before. We finish, but at the rate we're uh, recording, we might not. Maybe, uh, maybe when Kester has the baby and we have a break from recording, we'll need to fill it in with uh, some 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 of that stuff. But I think it gets kind of presented in a flashback uh, in in some degree, not outright murder, but uh, the pirates attacking and and uh, Ariel's mom being there and and all of that. But I would I would let it stand that maybe Captain Hook is. Uh, what happened to Ariel's mom. And so this, this conversation is a little bit like um, what Ursula said earlier, where she talked about being in the palace and it established a larger world at play, like a larger history without actually giving us a lot of details. And I think it's very smartly done uh, to fill in this world. Like there is definitely a greater context here than what they provide. Yeah. And that's the sort of stuff that fuels um, expanded universes, uh, like for for Star Wars and everything. And it's probably the sort of stuff that allowed them to do uh, two sequels and then a, uh, a a TV series as well. Oh yeah, well it, it's so um, and it's the sort of thing that was so fun to watch and sort of take a guess. Um, and where the fan, the fan theories come from now nowadays this stuff is done very very intentionally i know um there was so much talk in um uh frozen where the opening scene one of the early scenes when uh, they opened the the castle back up to the public one of the first people to enter the uh, the castle is Rapunzel and Flynn from uh, Tangled. And you can mm-hmm. actually see, but it was a very intentional thing because in the world we're in now, um, it, 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 the movie industry is very interested in creating these shared universes where it's sort of when they do a big budget movie, the first thing they seem to think about is like, okay, how do we tie in Godzilla and King Kong? How do we tie in the mummy with Dracula, with uh, Frankenstein? And, uh, you know, it's a very corporate intentional thing as opposed to uh, back when this movie was made where um, it could just be a coincidence or it could be a fan thinking about it or somebody who grew up watching these movies trying to tie them together later or it could just be some artist. I like the way that that character looks, so I'm going to draw them again in this movie. Um but it, it makes it so fun to figure out. It's like, how are these, how do these uh, pieces all fit together? Yeah, I think I appreciate it a little bit more when the fans have to do the work and it takes 30 years for all of this stuff to kind of percolate and develop and, and you get little pieces here and there. And then it's also fun. Uh, we talked last week about the Ariel sisters, the daughters of Drayton. There's actually c- contradictory information in some of the media. And so you just have to kind of work with it and massage it into what you think is just right. Um, but like their ages are listed in, in uh, like the TV series and then also in one of the movies and they're different in a different order and, and things like that. So it's, it's fun to have to do the work for this instead of having it all presented to you. Uh, but at the same time, I, I enjoy the connected universe films. But I, I think that with people having I think people like to create their own sort of theories and stuff, even if even if there are stuff 
that is presented in the in the film itself that that makes this whole thing like with Rapunzel and Flynn showing up at the coronation people then they still want to add more and so that's where like the theory where uh where Elsa and Anna's parents their ship ends up being the sh- this ship in in mm-hmm. in Fro- or in in, in, in Mermaid, Mermaid and then it leads to the theory where the director said it's true but we we do not let this one track like, for yes, our head cannons. but with with them being the parents for Tarzan and then Tarzan being the sibling of Anna and Elsa it, I don't like that theory <laughs> I think it does not track at all. But, but I I enjoy coming up with little theories to tie things together, and and sometimes when we're on a long drive, I'll just start talking about it's like, well, maybe this could be connected this way, and it's a stretch, but you know, here's this or that, and and I I do enjoy doing that. I think a lot of fans enjoy uh, trying to fill those things in for themselves. It, it, I yeah. mean, there certainly is an industry for fan fiction. Uh, those websites are are huge, and there's so much of it, and admittedly. I I haven't engaged with it really ever. And I know from all the reports I've heard, there's some that's fine and good. And there's some that's really not that good. And it's a good thing. Those people aren't trying to write for, for the actual stories. Um, But it's fun. And if, if people are finding joy in it, you know, certainly it's good that there's websites where people can put it out there. Like I don't, I don't begrudge anyone uh, writing the thing that they have fun writing or putting their ideas in place. Um, because it's, it's enjoyable and I do it for myself. I've never, you know, written out fan fiction to uh, put on one of those websites, but I'm sure people really get something out of it. And, and I know I get something out of doing just my little conversations about it. Well, you know, and sometimes those crazy fan theories work and they end up getting tied into stuff. I know, um, Look at uh, the Star Trek, the world of Star Trek, where they went from the TV show to the movies, and in the original um, TV show the, with the, the with Kirk and Spock, uh, they would have Klingons, and the Klingons were just sort of guys, and then in the movies they had more budget, and they actually gave them the the crazy design, which is what you think of now when you think of Klingons, and it did it really wasn't anything intentional it was or thought out it was just hey let's make them look alien and then there was all of a sudden all these fan theories of why the klingons look different from here to there and they came up with ideas of a virus spread through the klingon universe and all this stuff and eventually some of those ideas got taken by the writers and a lot of them were writers who started out as fans who were part of the people coming up with these theories and then they Fast forward, they actually made that canon, and it was addressed in episodes of subsequent series. So that's really fun. It's like, oh, if the fans are passionate enough and have theories that actually work and make sense, sometimes it actually can affect uh, the franchise that they're such fans of. Yeah, there's certainly a place for that. And and just building these expanded universes is really fun, and I love it when they include conversational elements where you get to build that up. Uh, or and, and even when they're not really crucial to the plot, like for the most part, these are lines that I don't think of when I think about the Little Mermaid. But now that I'm thinking about them, it's really enjoyable to kind of piece things together and make suggestions. And maybe it's this, maybe it's not this. And it's 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 a great way to inspire people to engage with your movie a little farther 
than just watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool when uh, watching a movie isn't just a passive thing where people actually tr- are trying to engage with it and think it through because uh, not every movie justifies that and inspires that. Yeah, and certainly uh, these these kinds of developments wouldn't come without the internet. So I am, I am grateful that we have the system where we do that. And in fact, we're part of it, doing this minute-by-minute minute thing. It's because there's a certain passion that's inspired by wanting to know what went into this and also what you can expand out from this. Yes. Yes, it's a good part of the internet because there's some not great parts of the internet. <laughs> Definitely true. Um after Ariel leaves, well, before before okay. she leaves, if I can yeah. interject, um, he says, "King Triton says, as long as you live under my ocean, you'll obey my rules." That is going to be a long time. It's like the whole ocean. It it's the whole ocean one, and then how long do you think mermaids actually live? Because he's the son. Of well, okay, if we want to go into mythology, right? Yes, Triton would be uh, the grandson of Poseidon, uh, or the son of Poseidon, one of the sons of Poseidon, I think. Um, and but then again, Poseidon being like a Greek or Roman god, I think Greek for Poseidon, Neptune for for Roman, um, that could have been a long, long, long time before he had a son. Right, and it might, and maybe the uh, the the longevity is diluting by generation. So Poseidon may have lived thousands of years, and Triton just gets hundreds of years, and then Ariel will just get a little longer than average or something. Okay. But Triton definitely seems like pretty old. Yes. Well, with his hair... It's very white. It's very white. But when he was younger, uh, in the TV series, there's this episode where he gets turned back into a kid. The episode's called Red. Mm-hmm. and Because he has red hair. Because he has red hair. And then as he's transforming back into a, uh, the... The king. The king. Uh, his hair goes from auburn to orange to yellow to white. Mm-hmm. And in the prequel, he has auburn hair. Okay, so the sort of brownish auburn. Yes. So, but like, he's old. But yeah, he's definitely old. That that beard is is a long beard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know how old. Beard. That, 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 I don't that, know how old, but he's old. And then he could live for who knows how long. Which I would not expect him to. I mean, I would not expect him to see like Ariel's granddaughter. I don't think he would see a great granddaughter out of his youngest child. Okay. Um, I would I would say he's that old. Certainly old enough, or certainly young enough to still see a grandchild. But maybe not a great-grandchild. So I guess that means he's got 20 to 30 years left. Okay, maybe. That's that's where I would put it. But it's still a long time. And yeah, it's that's, way I mean, longer past 20 her. 20 to 30 more years past, for Ariel is... Yes, I mean, the the the... the Joke he's basically making is when you're under my roof. When you're under my but roof, but he's the king of but the sea. But he's the king, and the ocean is the ocean. It's yeah. So she doesn't have a lot of a lot of ways out of this. Yeah. Which I mean, aside from him not having tremendously accurate reasoning for it, she should learn to be a little more obedient. And there are dangers that she's not accounting for. 
Um, so she's not doing the best job at counteracting his arguments. Yeah. No, no, her her argument in this is very weak because everything she's done up to this point has almost gotten her killed. It's actually a thing where the least danger. And you mentioned you sort you alluded to this um, when when you were talking about like Flounder telling a story where he basically skipped all the good parts. Uh, you know, they almost got eaten by a shark. Uh, they, they they were getting into a lot of trouble. The least crazy thing she did was rescuing Eric, but uh, no, she, she she's not doing a great job of keeping herself from getting killed yeah so i think there's a lot of progress for her to make to be able to actually have a conversation about the the philosophies in play here and the thought process and the the logic about what is dangerous and what isn't and if she were demonstrating a little more responsibility it could be more of a conversation but right now out of you know just her entire history at this point is evidence to say no, like you really ought to just listen to him. That would be the best way to gain his trust. Um, it's not make him listen to you. It's to listen to him. Yeah, definitely. Well, we can move on from there. Okay. Um, and so she leaves and as basically as soon as she leaves, King Triton starts getting really self-conscious about uh, how he has handled the situation. Yes. Uh Brad, as a parent, is that a realistic depiction of interacting with your children? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, especially when you talk out of emotion like that, and it's a little different because my kids, uh, my oldest is seven, my twins are five, and there's the whole thing of they, they make you crazy, you get mad, you send them to their room, or you do the punishment, and then you're like, oh, I was more mad than I had a right to be, or I got. scared. You know, the kids did something where they, you're afraid they could get hurt and you get, uh, you, you, you go from zero to 60 a little fast. And then you're trying to figure out a way to back out of it. But then you don't want to, and you see Triton doing this, you don't want to undermine your own authority. So then you got to make the punishment look like a punishment when you don't, uh, being a so bad it's, 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 it's complicated. So this, <laughs> this self-reflection, fairly realistic. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of truth to this. And then, um, it's funny uh, between my wife and I, one of us is always acting like the Sebastian where one of us sends the kid to the room or we punish the kid for whatever infraction. And then he's like, Oh, did I do the right thing? Did I handle it? And then whoever does the punishment has that feeling. And then the other one's like, no, you did the right thing. You You, you have to reinforce them. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, my wife and I are, well, my wife's a wonderful mom and I try to keep up. Um, but we, 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 try very hard to uh you know back each other's play because the the worst thing and i every kid will do this where the whole thing is like mom says no so let's go ask dad mm-hmm. and uh well, i did it i did it once you've got to you've got to reinforce single, yeah every single stuff. child does it and uh you, you, as a parent you just sort of develop the, the spider sense to like wait a minute why is he asking me if he can have a cookie <laughs> and why did he run from the other room where I know where mommy is? Is like, oh, you're trying to be a little weasel. <laughs> I have a memory of where where I did that, where my mom said I couldn't have. I think it was a popsicle, and then I went to my dad, and he's like, yeah, sure. And then she came in, seeing me have a popsicle, and she got so mad at me. <laughs> I my closest memory to that is, um. 
it was with several of my siblings. So as as a little congregation, three of us went to, I think it was our dad and asked about something. And he said, go ask mom. And we went to mom and she said, ask dad. <laughs> and so they had both deflected to the other one or <laughs> deferred, I guess, is maybe a, a more diplomatic way to say it. I'm like, but he said to talk to you. She's like, well, go back and say that I said to talk to him. <laughs> so I, I, ultimately, we did get what we wanted. But I think in part, it was because neither parent had decided to say no. And so it's like, he's like, well, I guess if she's okay with it, then it's up to me. And I'm, I guess, okay with it. <laughs> yeah, so, that's a lot of things. Dads are just scared of like, we, we want to make sure that we give the answer that is approved by mom. Because uh, as I... I uh, I got not too long ago. I wrote a did a guest writing spot on an excellent website called uh, Bleeping Motherhood, and I said uh, it, my goal is to be sure that I enforce all the rules and make the decisions that my wife approves of because the, I'm going to get more in trouble. I'm going to get more trouble the, than the kids because we have a rule that we don't beat the kids. There's no such rule protecting me. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty fair. Um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about Sebastian's, um, support of Triton in this scene because it makes it feel like he doesn't have a history with Ariel and he, he doesn't, um, know her very well, even though by the end, like it's obvious by partway through this film that he has a connection to her. Like he has been there as part of the family for a long time. Yes. And this scene, I feel like, doesn't track well with that. He, Or maybe he's just trying to reinforce Triton outside of his actual opinions about the matter. But, like, towards the middle and end of the film, I feel like Sebastian has a relationship where he would be a little more defending of, of Ariel and say, like, it was the right thing to do, but you guys really should have a conversation or something like that. Yeah. Um, he seems a little too blanket supportive of Triton. I think it's just an example of um, Sebastian's mouth tends to move faster than his brain. So he's <laughs> going to support Triton's decision. He's going to agree with him. And then it's like, and, and then he's like, yeah, I, he, he likes me agreeing with him. So I'm really going to agree and go overboard. And it, it leads into the next minute where all this talking gets Sebastian into a situation that he doesn't want to be in. And uh, you see that throughout the movie of just Sebastian starts talking and he just forgets what he's saying and he just goes in the direction and uh, it, it, it tends to backfire upon him. Yep. I'd say that's accurate. Uh, he says teenagers, they think they know everything. And the fact about that, <laughs> oh. it was ad-libbed by Samuel E. Wright, the <laughs> voice actor. <laughs> so <laughs> well i it's true to sebastian's character to say something like that definitely yes um i'm out of notes as am i i am out that's all we have for you today we are part of dueling genre you can find us and many other podcasts at duelinggenre.com there you will also find a link to a patreon page where you can support all dueling genre productions we are on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society, or Damsels, group. Our guests can be found... 
at CosmicGeppetto.com. Um, we're also on uh, Apple uh, Podcast. Um, you know, we've been doing the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast for two years. It's been a lot of fun. We've had great guests, including from uh, Dueling Genres, uh, Scott Corelli, who has been a fantastic guest. Uh, he's been on twice, and we're going to be recording a third go-around because uh, uh, Scott knows his movies, and he's especially a big fan of Edgar Wright, uh, and he's also a big fan of Spider-Man movies, so he's going to be on to talk about sort of uh, – we're going to – we've talked to him a couple times about uh, those subjects, and he's going to come back on to sort of talk about all the cool summer movies and the weird uh, movie season we've been having. So uh, if you like Dueling Genres, uh, we are friends of the Dueling Genres group. And uh, yeah, if you like a lot of stuff you've been hearing here, uh, you like what you hear there. Sounds great. Until next time, thank you for making us part of your world. <laughs>